Welcome back to the Financial Foundation. I hope everyone enjoyed their weekend. Mine was quite busy, and the same could be said for my week. Things are piling up, and that being said, I may or may not be able to put out any content this Friday. But moving on, today's topic is Airbnb risks, both on the side of the customer and the host. I want to mention it not only because of how big vacation rental sites have taken over the hotel industry, but because a lot of the same terrible things have been happening within the industry that also happens to all industries when they get too, too big. Things like price gouging, hidden fees, legal battles, and so on. Just about all the same stuff you are seeing happening with Uber and Lyft. Another thing I want to address is how Airbnb has been marketed as a passive income source, and I want to address those talking points as well. Before I get into today's topic, don't forget to like, share, and give the podcast a five-star review. Getting knowledge out to more people is the goal, and I can't do it without your help. I will start with risks as a property owner or a host of the platform. The first one that seems to be overlooked immediately by anyone who wants to host their property on Airbnb is liability risk. These risks include injury to the guests, damage to the property, or even damage caused to your neighbors or their property. All this you might be on the hook for. Not to mention any potential squatter looking to invoke rights on your property if they meet certain criteria by staying at your property for an extended period. Depending on which city your property is located in, this may or may not be more concerning to you. And I know this sounds crazy, but it has happened more than enough times, and in a case like this, you are forced to pursue eviction, and the process is long, expensive, and very, very stressful. The good news here is you can mitigate this risk by not renting to anyone for more than a few days at a time. Even though someone paying the Airbnb rate to stay at your place for a month instead of a much lower rent payment, it is in your best interest to turn those offers down. There's also the risk of booking cancellations. This one is pretty terrible as what happens is after the check-in date has passed, a guest can cancel their stay and Airbnb refunds all of their money without even notifying you, even though it runs directly against their own cancellation policy which requires the guest to give notice. There have even been rare cases where guests have canceled their booking after arriving and just requesting a refund in the middle of, their, of staying at your place. So not only do you not get paid, but now you have to clean up after them. I mention all these risks and possible downsides because online, a lot of the marketing surrounding Airbnb and other vacation rental sites, they all sell the platform as passive income streams, financial freedom, and an overall risk-free, super easy way to make a lot of money. While I agree you can make a good amount of money using a vacation rental platform, first of all, it's not passive income. Airbnb requires a lot of work, not only to set up your rooms, cleaning, managing booking, and staying in regulatory compliance, but also screening potential guests who want to stay since there is a rating system on Airbnb, so you can see if they're clean and respectful or not. This requires a lot of hands-on attention, a lot of hands-on work, unless you hire it all out to management to handle your Airbnb, but then just about all your profits go to operating costs and make the point of listing your house in the first place not worth it. Let's move on to the guest experience on Airbnb. On the guest side, the risk of bad experiences over the last few years have increased as the platform has grown to surpass hotels. In the beginning, 
Airbnb offered a much cheaper place to stay than what a standard hotel was charging. A much nicer place since people were renting out rooms in their homes, which they took care of regularly, and it was a much better feel. There was no hard-cutting bleach towels in the bathroom, an actual kitchen to cook meals in, a backyard to relax, and usually a much quieter experience than a hotel where you share walls with many different rooms. And if one of them is throwing a party, good luck getting to sleep. As it grew, the number of quality rooms and quality hosts started to seem more and more rare, and the properties being listed started becoming more commercial, more expensive, and the overall experience started to become terrible. From hosts mischaracterizing what you'll be staying in, to plumbing not being functional, and a whole slew of other problems, this platform went from homeowners creating a nice homey vacation rental experience for cheap, to a number of investors, slumlords, and lazy people looking to make quick, easy money because of the ads they saw online. Unfortunately, according to the numbers, in the wake of passing up hotels and market share and the pandemic, hotels have lowered their prices while Airbnb hosts continue to increase them. Not only has that happened, but the number and amount of hidden fees in the platform has made it so the experience of booking an old-fashioned hotel room has become appealing again. You can stay at a place, you can at least trust them to clean the sheets, and now it's cheaper for the moment. I do want to hear your thoughts on Airbnb. If you disagree with me or have something to add, message me on Instagram at the Financial Foundation 2022 and let me know. I have been digging into Airbnb for a long time, ever since I first heard of the infamous squatter situation in San Francisco. Airbnb basically abandoned the host. They just told them good luck with evicting them since they knew San Francisco had laws in place that would make the legal process extra long and super expensive. Before I end today's episode, I want to introduce a special guest, close personal friend of mine and fellow financial education enthusiast, Sierra Walls. She is a resident of California visiting on vacation, and I think it's important to get her message out there since she is financially thriving in the most expensive place to live in the country. Sierra, thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so before we start, I. I know you have something to add on the Airbnb. Just take a quick minute and introduce yourself. Yeah, so hello, my name is Sierra. I am 27 years old and I am living in Los Angeles, California. I have really grown to love being financially independent. And once I really started to focus on bettering my finances, it really transformed and changed my life. It actually gave me a lot more confidence um, in who I am. So when you asked me to be on this podcast episode, I was like, absolutely, I'd love to talk finance and um, education with you. So yeah, thanks for having me. Very cool. So what we're going to do first is you had some thoughts on what I said about Airbnb. So Go ahead and just go down because I, I did spend about five minutes talking about my thoughts on Airbnb in today's world. Yeah. So I have been using Airbnb, oh gosh, ever since it's been around, really. Uh, I have used Airbnb for domestic um, places. I've used it for international travel. And something that I really loved about Airbnb is that you were able to get 
like this really nice apartment or this house for a really much cheaper rate than you would going to hotel. But I feel like ever since the pandemic, I feel like they have increased the fees and I feel like they're so unnecessary and it's really driving people away from just going, going to the normal spot to, you know, get a place, which is a hotel. Um, and something that that's really disheartening when I look at Airbnb is just all of those hidden fees that they only show that like when you're checking out, <laughs> which is really frustrating. You know, you have this budget in mind of what you want to spend, you know, for a vacation. And then you go on Airbnb thinking that it's in the price range. And then you actually go to check out and it's hundreds of dollars more. So it can be really frustrating, <laughs> but I know that there are other applications like that, like VRBO. Um, I kind of feel like VRBO is like the older parent and Airbnb is like the younger child in a sense. VRBO has been, a, uh, been around for a really long time. It stands for vacation rental by owner. And I would say it's kind of, it kind of has the same pricing structure, but the fees are a little bit lower. Um, and I feel like they're, they have a lot more quality listings on there. No, it does. Uh, I've actually never used VRBO before, so I <laughs> just I've used Airbnb plenty. Yeah, actually, I used VRBO when you and your lovely girlfriend Alicia got back from the military. If you remember, I surprised you guys with another one of our friends, and I booked yeah. us um, a place in downtown Denver, and that was a really cheap option. Nice. Okay. Yeah. No, I, know, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I totally agree with you. The hidden fees on Airbnb is something that has frustrated a lot of people that stay. I've seen it a hundred times, you know, $90 a night. And then when you check out with all the fees, it ends up being like 175 and it really is misleading. <clears throat> it's ridiculous. And I really wish that on Airbnb, they would list the act, like what the actual rate would be when you're going and looking at all these different listings instead of listing that you know at checkout because then i just have to go back to my search i gotta apply different filters and it, it can be a total mess yeah i agree and then one final comment you said to me when i was recording was that for hosts mm -hmm. listing your uh your property as dog friendly has shown to attract more guests willing to pay higher rent costs so Something to think about if you are interested in renting out your property for Airbnb. There's a, one more thing I want to talk about before we end today's episode. And that was a few months ago, I did a podcast episode and I rated five of my top favorite budgeting apps. And it just so happens that Sierra uses one of the budgeting apps that I talked about in that episode. It's the every dollar one. It's the Dave Ramsey sponsored budgeting app. And I want you to talk about your experience and when you started budgeting, when you started using this app, how it helps you and how important it is that everybody needs to budget. Because if you remember, the title of that episode was budgeting is not optional. And Sierra is living proof of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> gosh, I've been budgeting for five, maybe five or six years at this point. Um, I was always somebody that lived paycheck to paycheck. I would just blow my money on shopping, nails, just the most 
ridiculous stuff that I didn't need to spend my money on. And I was working with a set of mentors who kind of sat me down and said, Hey, like, let's make you a budget so that you know where your money is going. You don't have to, you know, so at the end of the month, you're not wondering where did my money go? So what I did when I first started budgeting is I went to my mobile banking app, I downloaded my statements for the past three months and I categorized everything and I'm someone who like, I do a better job when I write things down as opposed to like typing things out. So I had this sheet where kind of like broke down my budget, right? So it had a graph for like uh, days one through 14 of the month and days 15 through the 30th. Um, and then what I did is I put down all my subscriptions, all my bills, and you know, if I'm gonna do it on my first of the month check or the 15th of the month check. And that really helped me understand and realize like I am overspending every single month. <laughs> that was a really hard lesson for me to learn, um, but it was really helpful and it was really eye-opening because I, I realized that I really had so much money um, that I could be using to pay off debt um, and just to be a little bit more financially smart, I guess, if you want to say. Financially conscious, you know, yes. of, of the money you're wasting. Yes. Yeah. So one thing you did tell me before we started podcasting was since you started budgeting using the, the every dollar budgeting app, you have mm -hmm. more control of your finances. Yeah. You did get a job opportunity out in California with a huge raise and it mm -hmm. helped you to save invest for the future and pay off your debt, including student and car loan debt. So I just think that it's very important. Sierra is living proof that <clears throat> if you budget, you can live in the most expensive place in the country and still do well as long as you're smart. And I've done several other episodes that complement the budgeting, you know, different accounts for different purposes, not running everything out of one account. So I just think it was very, very important. But I do want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your story to anyone who's listening. Um, it is very important because I can sit here and talk all day, but when you get, when you see the results in front of your face after years of hard work and budgeting is a problem or a part of that, it really, really is powerful. And it really speaks to what budgeting can do for you. It's not just an idea. Um, but <clears throat> before I end, if you have any questions or comments, please message me on Instagram at the financial foundation, 2022. I love interacting with you guys on Instagram. You guys always send in some great questions and, uh, with your permission, I can always answer them here on the podcast. But again, thank you again, Sierra for coming on and you guys have a good one. I'll see you next week.